Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, amazing grace, so vast and talk to you about a real important subject this morning. Uh, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is a common method of God dealing with us. This is not just for the person in the passage, and if you want to know the passage, turn to it if you want to electronically or by your King James Bible, whatever, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4. Um, I mean, encourage you. Uh, you're, this was not just for Abraham, or at that time, Abram, later, later to become Abraham. And, but let me use him as an example, and we'll talk about this, but uh, there's the, the, uh, the title of the message is the thesis statement. It's the call to the unknown. God's call to the unknown. There's not a Christian ever born again that God does not exercise the same thing, the same thing on you. It may not be in the same degree. It may not be as radical as Abraham was asked, but I will guarantee you that God's going to come to you and give you a call to the unknown. God is not interested. I've learned a few things being a Christian. I got right with God at 18 years old. I was saved younger, but I really got right with God at 18, from 18 to today. And I can say that God's not interested in my comfort. How do I know that? Because he's made me very uncomfortable for a lot of years. I've through ailments, pastoring, doing all kinds of things. God is not interested in my comfort. Uh, that's, not, that's not what this whole life's about, uh, whether we have fun or we're comfortable, which is two major things on most people's minds. Um, in fact, his purposes for your life will disturb your comfort, I'll guarantee you. Uh, one of his goals is to disturb your comfort uh, because your comfort without him is derived by something other than him. Make sense? In other words, you're getting comfort in the false security of this world. could be money. It could be fame, it could be uh, position, it could be inheritance, it could be your heritage or whatever. You may get comfort, but unless your comfort really comes from God, it's a false comfort. Does that make sense to you? Uh, we get comfort in our surroundings, our stability. We get stable in an area. We have certain securities and normalities that come into our life. And trust me, we like those. I often kid women, I kid women a lot, but I often kid women about how they enjoy security. Um, a, a guy, a guy will come to a, the husband of the of the of the uh, marriage, and, and he'll he'll say, "I want you to go to Africa." You know, that's the call to the unknown. Uh, he don't necessarily come to the woman and say, "I want you to go to Africa." He says, all he says to the woman is, "I want you to go with this guy wherever he goes." You know, that's the better or worse sickness and health, rich or poor, death to his part. And in the vows I give, 
uh, you'll submit to the, the wife will submit to her husband. And, and uh, you know, unless he asks you to do something immoral or against God, where at that point then God is, is over his authority, but unless he asks you to do that, you obey him and follow him. I always tell, I always tell the girls that come into my office, have you ever ridden a roller coaster and they got that bar down in front here like this? And, and you put that, you're, you're coming right, you're going, and you come to the, you're the first car, right? And some of you, when you got married, you didn't know you were on a roller, you, jo- you joined into the roller coaster. And, and, and that old boy will take you to the edge of that precipice, and then you look over that thing, and it's like straight down. And your hands go onto them bars. And some of them old girls come into my office, they're, they got, they're white knuckled. I mean, you old boys have scared them to death. And I just, all I tell them is take, if you want to have fun, take your hands off the bar, trust God, and scream all the way down. But stick with him and enjoy the adventure. God wants us to trust him for who he is and believe his words. If he is God, the God revealed in the Bible, and he's a God of truth, and he's a God of justice, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of love, he's a God of compassion, he's a God of strength, he's a God of majesty, he's a God of power, then he can do what he says he'll do, right? Make sense to you? The logic there? If God is who he says he is and who the Bible represents him to be, then you don't have any trouble being his child. Because if God be for you, Who can be against you? And so, his word is reliable. His word is repeatable to all generations. It's not culturally sensitive. We live in an age they want to interpret the Bible culturally. Don't you give in to that. Paul meant what he said and said what he meant because he was under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say what he meant there in Timothy because it was a certain time under the Romans where women had a certain position, women had this, women had that, and today they don't have that. Brother, you don't think God knew knew things from the beginning and to the end? The Bible's not culturally sensitive. It's for all time and eternity. The Bible says of itself, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. So his word is and his word is repeatable for all of us in any generation, any color, any country. Red, white, red or yellow, black or white, they're all precious in his sight. Uh, God doesn't know color. He just knows human souls. The only thing eternal in this room is the word of God and your soul. And he cares about you. And he wants you to live with him forever. But you can't live with him with your sin. You got to deal with his sin. You got to go to Calvary. And you got to die with Jesus there on Calvary. You got to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. That your God manifests the flesh. That you died and really, visibly, literally, and bodily were resurrected from the grave. And with a childlike type faith, you place your faith. You don't have much, but what do you got? You put on Him and say, I want to be saved. He'll save you. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised you from the dead, thou shall be saved. I didn't write it. People criticize us for using the word saved. But the lingo of the Bible never goes out of style, amen. The vocabulary of the word of God don't go out of style. Well, so 
once you get saved, how, how is he to prove who he is to you? Have you ever thought about that? How's God going to prove him? Now, you've read about him. Let's say you read through the Bible. You say, oh, God's this, God's that. But now the process begins of God actually making it real with you or making it personal with you. How are you to prove to God that you actually believe him? After all, God does not take our word for it. He does when you're saved. That little bit of faith, that seed of faith creates a, a birth, a transaction that's forever settled in heaven. You're sealed by the Holy Ghost. He comes in you to dwell with you forever, never to leave you. Here or that side of heaven, Holy Spirit's always going to be with me. He's going to be in me and with me. And so that is settled. But now once I'm a child of God, there's such a thing as growth. Right? There's growth. Well, growth oftentimes isn't quick. I talked to somebody in this room that said they grew 11 inches in one year. A brother, they said it hurt them, that they actually had pain. Grow, there is such a thing as growing pain, especially if you grow 11 inches in one year. I've never heard of such a thing, 11 inches in one year. But I believe him. But God is going to bring testings and trials into your life, every one of you, to solidify the reality of your words. I believe God. Do you? I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. Will you? I give myself to him. Do you? Because you're challenged every step of the way. God allows trials and tribulations and testings to come to fire you as gold is fired and purified, as silver is fired and purified. The fire of these testings that come into your life, do not, do not think it's strange as though some strange thing is happening to you. These, tri these fiery, fiery trials which come to try you, as though some strange thing has come to try you. Expect it. I'm trying to prepare some of you new believers. Expect things to go crazy. Expect a roller coaster ride. Expect it to be scary. Expect it to, to, make, you, to make you turn white, you know. <gasps> but also expect to see God. Woo! Woo! God wants you to see what is real. If you will allow him to work his work through you and in you, um, as a math problem is worked to its final conclusion, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. With what? With fear and trembling! It's crazy. It's wild. That's why James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 makes sense. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall, when you fall, when you fall into diverse temptations. And that's temptations and trials and all of the, all that's included in one. We fall into, trust me, there's things coming into my life that God's brought into my life to prove himself. I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I'm there. I fall. Amen. Some of you have been going, you've gone through things that have been so heinous, so hard, so long. You'd never ask ever. In fact, if you knew ahead, thank God he don't tell us ahead of time what's going to go on, what's going to happen in my life. 
I just, I'll take it as it comes. But that's why we're to rejoice in these things. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. How much joy? All joy. When you fall into divers or different kinds of temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, her complete molding of your life in Christ, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, not lacking anything. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror and their trouble. Trust me, when God takes you to places that you haven't been before, I can tell you the unknown scary. I've dove a lot. I've dove over 5,000 hours under the water. And that's under the water. And I can tell you, I have gone into dirty water you couldn't see in front of your face, down 60 feet deep, to finally get down to the rocks that were there. And the lobsters were so, it was so dirty, I had to put my face down here and their tentacles were hitting my mask. But I like that. And you'd see something, you'd feel something big go by you, displaced in the water, and you'd say, Ooh, I hope that was my brother. But it was a shark. God uses the call of the unknown to filter out who we really are. And let's go to our passage. Now come to the passage, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham pouted. He cried. Bob says Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now he was 175 when he died, so he had another 100 years ahead of him, but there was no guarantee of that. He did not know that. Neither do you. But uh, 100, another 100 years ahead of him, that old boy. In fact, Sarah died. He ended up marrying again and had much more kids. Wow! But notice the first part of that verse. Get out. Get out. Leave everything of value and sentimentality. Leave your country. That's your security and safety. Leave your family. That's your help, your support, and your security. Leave your father. That's the most intimate relationship you have. My, I used to say it this way. You only have one dad He's, and if he's a good dad, he's the best friend you ever had in life, and you never can replace your dad. How many here have lost their dads? You miss them? Not every dad's good, okay? I mean, we've got some contrary people. But brother, man, I miss my dad. I'd love to just call him up and ask him some advice once in a while. I'm not sure I'd follow, but I'd at least ask him. Man, the request is progressive in nature. It's, it's, it's broad to very, very narrow, leaving, leaving uh, <laughs> can you imagine leaving your people? You're leaving your people? 
Now, it's not like it is now. There were no phones back then, no Skype, no, no email, no, no snail mail. Uh, leaving your family meant leaving your family. Not going back for sickness, not going back for their funerals. No, no, no going back for when dad died, mom died, brothers died, aunts died, cousins died. No going back because you would not even know that they did die till it was all over because the communication would have been hand-carried. And then how do they find you? There's no GPS. You're not wearing a phone with a GPS on They can locate you. They don't know where you're at. Hey, have you seen Abraham? Abraham who? No. The price of what was asked of Abraham here was high. Is that not right? But how was the reward? Get this. With God, the proportion of the price is the proportion of the reward. Get it. The proportion of the price is the proportion of the reward. Sacrifice a little, rewarded a little. Sacrifice a lot, rewarded a lot. What do you want? What do you want? You can write your own ticket. What do you want? Sacrifice a little? Doesn't the New Testament reinforce that with giving? If you sacrifice a little, you, you sow a little, you reap a little? Doesn't, the, doesn't, that, doesn't that go with all the nature? Isn't it, doesn't it say you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully? Doesn't it, doesn't, isn't this principle really through all of the things that we know? The price was high. Oh, how many fail here? How many put their families above God? We're living in a day of family, 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 family. It's interesting. Families are failing in high proportions, and all we talk about is family, and it's getting worse. It's not getting better because you don't save your family by trying to save your family. You save your family by listening to God and doing what he asks you to do. It's not what you think. You don't save your family by trying to save your family. You don't have the power to save your family. God has the power to save your family. Brother, it was God that, that convinced Kathy that I was a good guy. It was, it's been God that's kept Kathy, that's my wife, for 46 years with me. Trust me on that. It's been God. And all the women said. It's true. It's true. The price was high. Um, I have people even try to redefine God's priority list. But you're, you can redefine God's priority list any way you want to, but God's always at the top. Hello? Seek ye first the what? God's always above your family. Always above your relationships. He's always number one or he's not anything. Because the, the, the reflection of the reality of the world is God is number one. And you know, when it all said and done, according to chapter, Philippians chapter 2, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. What's that simply going to do? It's set right what's been wrong for so long where people said God doesn't exist or he doesn't matter. He's not number one. He's not the, but they're going to all admit it of their own volition. That God's number one. It's easier to admit it voluntarily 
than it is under duress. But you will admit it. No visits home. No 10-year break. No 20-year break. No 30-year break. No reunions. Far as we know, Abram never saw his father again, his mother, on this side of heaven. But this is the stuff that great movings of God are made of. Wow. I think of Adoniram Judson. I don't have time to go into all these, but man, if you know about them, you know what I'm talking. If you don't know about them, you ought to read them. First American missionary, whether he was or not, I don't know, but Adoniram Judson. Man, I go over his life on a regular basis to keep this focused. If I get to where I want to kind of get, you know, any call, you can get where you're faltering a little bit, you know, where you lose the vision a little bit. And you begin to, do I really want to keep doing this? My bus ride, boy, you bus, you bus guys, constantly under pressure to quit. Because the bus ministry has a tendency to die, not live. Because there's suffering involved in that. Oh, not now when it's nice and cool. Well, let's get it about July when you hop on that bus, it's 105 with 200 degree, 200% humidity. When the windows bleed from the inside. And you go out there for them boys and girls, and a lot of times not, they're not real grateful. A lot of times the parents aren't real grateful. But, but God has called you to do that. Sometimes you've got to grab yourself and say, this is God's call to me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Great stuff. Adoniram Judson. Wow, I think of William Carey. I think of Hudson Taylor. I think of David Livingston. Let me, let me get more contemporary. I think of John Perkins. How many in here knew John Perkins? Just a few of us. John Perkins spent almost all of his life in Venezuela where there were no roads. He put 450,000 miles on a Jeep. He used to have to ford four or five creeks to get to where his church was. And he rebuilt the old engine. I don't know how many times. He, he told, I said, you ought to call Jeep up. They would love to make a story of you because I never heard anybody off road. This is off road. 450,000 miles off road. People do on road, off road. This guy didn't have any on road. When his dad and mom got sick, rather than him quitting the mission field and coming up here, he got them and moved them down there. And I love this guy. He said, God called me in Venezuela. I want to die in Venezuela. Woo! There's great and mighty things happen through that kind of sacrifice. Woo, brother. I think of Marty Howell. Marty, Marty born on the mission field in Honduras, lived there and died there. I think of Ludovic Louis. Ludovic Louis in Haiti could have come here. He could have lived in the United States of America, but he raised his family in some of the poorest places in either North or South America, and indeed maybe as poor as any place in Africa. If you've been to Haiti, you understand what I'm talking about. And I mean, he a lot of times had no hot water, no electricity. You say, well, what's that? That don't hurt. Well, try to take cold showers, see how it goes. I got in the shower this morning and turned that baby on really hot and got in there and said, thank you, Jesus for hot water. I'm such a sissy. You said, well, brother, you could have turned the hot off. You turn it off first. I'll do it then. 
<laughs> he told old Abraham, get out of your home. Now, he doesn't do this to everybody. Everybody doesn't get the same call, the same degree. Abraham simply believed God. He believed him. And because of that, great reward came. Look in verse 2 and 3. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and then all the families of earth shall be blessed. Woo, doggies. Look at the I wills there. Now, that's not Abraham. You can't do what God said he was going to do for Abraham. You cannot do for your family what you think you can do. But, brother, God can do it. Oh, if we just get this. A life given to God. And what else do you have to give but your life, your potential? That's all you got. But if you'll give, if God comes by and calls you to an, to an unknown, and it will be. And he's going to say, I want you to go to Christian college, and I want you to study for the ministry. He won't tell you where to go in the ministry. He won't tell you what. He'll just say, do what I tell you to do today. Abraham just did what he, what he was told to do the day he heard it. Get out of your family. Packed these goods. Took Lot, 75 years old, and began to walk. Uh, uh, you know, he began to walk away from his home. As he walked, God showed him what else to do. Listen. If you're of the type of person, you've got to know everything up front, you'll never do anything, and God cannot do anything through you. He'll do so, be able to do so little of what he wanted to do through you. Oh, God wants to do great things through us. But we, we, we are so, sometimes we're, we're so busy saving ourselves that we're lost. That makes sense when Jesus said, if you save your life, you lose it. See, we're so busy saving our lives. We're so busy protecting this and protecting that and keeping this and, and reserving that, that, that God can't do what he really wants to do through you. Well, this man here, man, whoo, I'll make you a great nation, great name. I'll bless those who bless you. You'll be using it as an example. And that's the, that's the principle of Scripture where great sacrifice comes great reward. Trust him enough to follow him into the unknown. That's, that's what I'm saying. Trust God enough to follow him into the unknown. Give him the only thing you have, your life, your potential, and then watch, sit back and watch what he does with it. There'll be people in heaven forever. Lives here on earth will be blessed. This was for Abraham. Your name will be an example and encouragement down through the centuries. And God's name will end up being glorified and proclaimed almighty. Um, oh, if you let and I let the ghost of fear stop us from doing God's will, what tragedy that is. I have had fear well up in me for it almost is unbearable. And all I can do is just quote the scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're the God of fear. Oh, he wants you to fear what God's going to do. To but you know, I know God's good. Don't know much, but I know God's good. He's going to take care of me all the way home. 
He's going to surprise me on the other side. If you'll do his will, he'll surprise you. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we'd ever know who Abraham was if he said, you know, you're asking too much of me. I can't leave my mom. I can't leave my dad. I can't leave my grandkids. I can't leave my whatever. I mean, you can't. I hear all of it. You'd never hear who they were. You wouldn't have known Abraham. You wouldn't have known Sarah. Uh, he's, he's called in the New Testament in the fourth chapter of Romans, the father of all them that believe. Wow. Abraham was just a common guy like you. He was a common guy like you. He was a common guy like me. Don't put Abraham up there on some sort of pedestal like he's, woo! He's just a normal person that said, I'm going to believe God over the fear that I'm hearing inside, over the comfort that is wanting to repel God's call, over, over, oh, oh, I'll be, oh, everybody else gets to do this and I don't get to do it. Oh, he resisted that. He resisted it all. He said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him. And that's what it has to come down to, doesn't it? Given all of our insecurities and our doubts, you've got to just come down to a place, I am dead to myself. Boy, don't we slay me. Job 13, 15. When you come to the place where you say, though we slay me, yet will I trust in him, you have, you have a milestone in your Christian experience. And now God can really see some big things go on through you. He can help you. God's call, of course, I said before, is not duplicated. In some way, however, and in some degree, I believe God calls everybody into the unknown, whether he calls you to Bible college or the mission field or the bus ministry or the door-to-door -door visitation or Sunday school class or Whatever God calls you into, just when he comes by your house, say, Here, my Lord, send me. Just say yes. And all that fear. Now, let me tell you, some of your worst enemies may be your mom and dad. Oh, now I'm really getting, I'm really getting down and rubbing the cat the wrong way. Your worst enemy will be those of your own household. Because when you tell mama that you're going to be gone and you're leaving and you're taking the kid, grandkids with you and she's not going to be able to see them once in the, our environment once every four or five years, you don't think you're going to get a little pushback? You don't think grandma's going to go, well, couldn't you just take a pastor in the United States? Couldn't you just, you know, you don't want, I can't. Oh, yes, you can. That board back there on the wall is full of people who said yes to Jesus and no to Mama. They said yes to Jesus and no to Daddy. They said, because you know what? It's got to be bigger. God's going to find out who you're loyal to. You're loyal to Mom and Dad, you're loyal to Him. You'll find out who you're loyal to. Now, I'm not saying disobey. Now, just in case the Ludwig kid comes home and says, whatever you say, I ain't going to do it. This is big stuff. This, and God... <laughs> If dad tells you to take the trash out, God's telling you to take it there. But you know what I'm talking about. If, you're, if God comes by your house, he did mine. 
He moved me out of my parents. I had it made in Elkhart, Indiana. I had it made. My, my parents had a beautiful lake lot on Long Lake. The boat was in the water in the summertime. We ice fished in the wintertime. We hunted in the fall. We, um, he was in the real estate, and I, I was supposed to follow him right in that and inherit all that stuff. And I was going to be have my own little, I was going to have a house paid for in my 20s. And I, it was all set up, and God came by and messed that whole thing up. He says, I want you to go to Bob Jones University. I said, what? Any place but Bob Jones. No, not Bob Jones. They make you get up and go to bed, clean your room. They're fundamental. He said, Bob Jones. I said, how about, how about Edison College? I go down there and go to the beach, you know, and have a big time, get all tanned up, go to school once in a while. He said, Bob Jones. But then God got, you know, my spirit said, You just do what he asked. I said, Okay, I'll go. I'll go to Bob Jones. Let me tell you, when I told our youth pastor I was going to Bob Jones, he just about lost his teeth. He said, Of all the kids in our youth group, you will be the last one I'd ever say to go to Bob Jones. He was a graduate of Bob Jones. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you'll find out. I said, no, tell me it ain't so. My wife and I were engaged before I went to Bob Jones, and we had a big old sloppy kiss just before we got on to college because I knew I wasn't going to be able to touch her. I'm talking I couldn't even touch her. I hadn't been six months without touching her in the history of our relationship. Six days. Oh, there was a lot of big changes went on. I said, okay, I'll do what you want me to do. And I can tell you from that day to this day, it's been a fabulous ride. Oh, I think how I almost blew it. How I almost gave in to comfort. I almost gave in to family. You put Jesus first. You accept the call of the unknown. And I'll guarantee you that'll be the wildest. They don't make a roller coaster ride as crazy as God's going to give you, but it'll be worth every mile of the trip. But bigger than all that, it's not about you. It's really not. It's about the good God can do through you. It's about the people that are going to be in heaven because of you. Because you listen to God and because God the Holy Spirit worked through you. That's going to be the beauty. You know what? You know, read this passage when I'm when, blessing, blessing, blessing. God is going to make a blessing of you rather than a cursing of you. You can be a curse or you can be a blessing, but you don't have the power to do it. God's got to do it. And when you submit to the call of the unknown and God, what he wants you to do, trust me on this. God will make it a blessing. You will be a blessing to those around you. You will be a blessing to, and it'll, it'll trickle out to who knows how far. You think Abraham got any idea how big it was going to be? Do you? He didn't know. And we, you won't know. The guy that led D.L. Moody to Christ, the old shoe store, you think he understood the impact of just being a soul winner. 
when he led D.L. Moody. Over a million people professed Christ under Moody's ministry. You think anybody understood Bob Jones Sr.? No. They didn't get it. You can't get it. He's not going to let you know. You just got to obey today. Father, help us. Help us to get this. The call of the unknown. And Lord Jesus, help us to be tender to thy voice. Forgive us of our lack of faith. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole world, looking for people, I believe, looking for people like Abraham. We'll just say yes. There could be some in this room this morning. The Spirit of God's been coming by your house, been asking you to do something for Him. You know it. But you've been running, you've been you're dodging. <laughs> but God says, I want you to do this for me. Would you just say, I trust Him enough to do it? Would you just say, I'll do it? By the grace of God, I'll do it. And then just let the, let, let, let the chips fall where they may. And watch God work. Father, help us. There could be some in this room that don't, don't that do not yet know Christ as their personal Savior. May they say yes to Jesus today. During this time of singing, you come. Let let us know your decision. We'll take you in the back one to one. Explain the gospel less than ten minutes. Show you what you already know. Really, you've probably already been told of the Holy Spirit what you need to do. Why don't you say yes to Jesus? Father, now you come in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.